You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, let's go. We got another great episode here for you. I've got Matthias Quarter. He's co-founder and CEO of a company called Baselane. Baselane.com. You can check them out. It's an end-to-end banking and financial management platform for landlords, individual real estate investors, mom and pop uh, investors, landlords, rental owners. They've got a lot of different names, but really what Baselane is, and the important thing to focus on here is what Baselane's building. They're building the all-in-one financial platform. So think about integrating like banking, bookkeeping, rent collection, analytics, and then even on top of that, what they've done is they've gone out and said, okay, what are all the, some of the other services that we could, maybe we don't want to build into, but we can partner and pull into our platform. And so that's also the other thing they're doing. And you might've heard of this company called Obi, obirisk.com. It happens to be the company I work at, Obi and Baselane have partnered together. So when Baselane's customers are setting up their rent collection, they're managing their rental properties and Maybe they're looking at their finances and thinking, where can I save some money? Well, insurance might be one of those categories. And so now they can get their insurance directly within Baseline, save a little bit of money. It's a greater experience for the customer. They didn't have to go shopping. They didn't have to go all over the place. And uh, it, this is all part of the vision that Matias explains in this interview of a better experience for that independent investor that gives them all that they need to run their rentals Uh, in a more efficient manner. So let's go ahead and jump in and hear what he's got to say. Hey, Matthias, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Nate. It's great to be here. I'm excited to do this uh, interview here. And I know we've actually, we've known each other for a little while, for a few months. Our companies uh, work together, which is kind of cool. And it's always exciting when I get to cross over a little bit of work and I don't even know what technist is for me. It's not work because I don't get paid necessarily to like, I don't, I don't clock in, but I get, I feel like I, I get paid for it. I get to learn a lot. So it's work, <laughs> but, uh, well, Hey, let, let's go ahead and jump in. Like we always do. Please introduce yourself. Let everyone know who you are and what you do. Awesome. Well, my name's uh, Matthias Corder. I am the CEO and co-founder of Baselane. Baselane is a banking and financial management platform for individual real estate uh, investors and landlords. And essentially we automate everything from banking to bookkeeping, uh, reporting and analytics for your rental properties, uh, everything under one roof, uh, seamlessly integrated together to help you save time and, and hopefully also help you make more money. I And I get excited about this because uh, I have spent um, a little bit of time over the last two and a half years talking to this customer. Uh, and it's currently my, well, it's even still today, it's still the customer that I talk to every day. Um, so, um, this is exciting because, uh, I think you guys have your own unique take on how to solve some of the pain points and challenges that exist for, you know, the mom and pop independent DIY investor. They have multiple names. I don't know if there's a new one, 
uh, this week. I'm sure there will be next week. Um, but if you could boil it down really to what Baselane is solving for, how do you describe the problem that you're solving for? Yeah, so when I look at kind of all the different pieces that uh, individual real estate investors need to solve for when they you know, purchase and manage property, you kind of divide it into these three big sections, right? One is you need to go find a property, you need to go find a tenant, right? You're not a landlord if you don't have a property or a tenant. Uh, then there's all sorts of physical management around that property. Once you own that property, there's maintenance. Uh, many times there's communication with that tenant. But then squarely at the center is a series of financial management things that need to get solved. Right? You need to have a bank account. You need to uh, manage your income and your expenses. You need to kind of prepare for tax season. Uh, you know, Many times you want to have a clear vision of how that asset that you own, that, that property that you own is performing uh, on a week-to-week basis or on a monthly basis. Are you going to close your books? Uh, you want to be able to uh, look and, and, and kind of look at specific expenses and actually see kind of where there's save, savings opportunities and where you kind of optimize how you manage your, your finances. Uh, you need to pay vendors, right? You need to get insurance. You need to get lending. There's this whole world of financial management things. And, and we essentially are building an integrated platform um, really solely around kind of banking, bookkeeping, and reporting analytics and, and starting to bring in a series of partners as well, like Obi, to, you know, really make this the center of every single landlord's uh, you know, platform, right? This is this is where they manage their finances. Yeah, and right, like yeah. their business, right? You need some central central hub, which is like where you get all your intelligence, where you go and figure out how things are working. Yeah, and I think like when we talk about in tech, right? We're like talking about the hub and a platform and intelligence and all those things. And I think, you know, I think when I've spoken to some customers, they're just like, I need, I need to keep track of some stuff. Like yep. the moment you, you get two units and like, let's say each unit is, you know, there's, there's three people who live in each unit and they're on different renewal cycles. One renews in May, one renews in July, close enough to get confused, you know, and it's just like it, things just easily get dropped, you know, and the, 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 the good evidence that this is true is how much people complain about their landlords. Like that's a good amount of evidence that, Hey, we need some help organizing maintenance requests. We need, you know, I had a landlord once like, you know, threaten me with eviction because I didn't pay rent. The, the problem was I did pay rent. You know, he just didn't keep, he didn't upkeep, his, you know, his books or I don't know how he missed it. Um, but, you know, I had to send him a screenshot of my, 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 of the check, you know, as it cleared in my bank account, uh, you know, and so. Uh, I think that there's a lot of this is going to be welcomed by a lot of people. Uh, so excited to really dig into this. Before we go further into the product and, and kind of unpack the different features, what's your background that leads you to this? Because you have to actually get a little bit of understanding of technology and how to solve problems with technology, but also you have to know these problems in order to recognize they need solving. Yeah. So, I mean, I started my career uh, working in investment banking in New York City. I work for a bank called Morgan Stanley. And I think like what I learned at Morgan Stanley as a starting point was just, you know, how to invest, right? I actually started working at Morgan Stanley kind of at the kind of two years before the financial crisis. And you start to learn about, you know, through that financial crisis about diversification, about how you manage risk, um, about, you know, kind of how you, the art of kind of asset allocation. And, and I think that's kind of where I really learned about, you know, the importance of investing in a stable asset class like real estate. Um, you know, I saw a bunch of you know colleagues of mine lose so much money through that process, having owned so much Morgan Stanley stock, because you were paid a lot of your salary uh, in stock. So that that was kind of my my first kind of venture into the investing world. 
I went to business school and then I worked at a company called the Boston Consulting Group following business school. And, you know, at Boston Consulting Group, you're kind of working with, you know, in my case, large financial service companies across the United States. I worked with some actually in, in South America as well and in Canada. And I helped them essentially build uh, new digital technology, right? Helping them think about kind of new digital products that they can build and helping them implement that. Uh, one of my first projects there was actually helping build out one of the first neo banks, the first digital banks in the world. And I learned a lot about kind of the, the user experience and how you actually can really dramatically change uh, a customer's experience through kind of a, a very unique product. And then kind of further down, you know, I spent a lot of time working actually one of the largest financial service players in the United States. And they were actually going and building out a bank for small and medium sized businesses. And, you know, as they were looking at their existing customers, they, I mean, they're, they're traditionally a credit card business. You know, you had, you had, you know, businesses that were doctors and dentists, you had businesses that were e-commerce stores. And then all of a sudden you had many businesses that were real estate investors. And it was clear that everyone needed something very different. And there was no way of actually solving the deep challenges of each of these different types of business owners without really going deep into one and actually building, you know, a software package on top of the traditional financial service rails, right? You know, bank accounts, debit cards, payments, rent collection, uh, bookkeeping. How, how do you build that all very customized to uh, one specific customer? In this case, uh, the real estate investor. Uh, both my co-founder and I both had were, were landlords. We we understood that that challenge and, and, and faced that challenge every day. And we said, why doesn't, why doesn't, how come financial services aren't built distinctly for, for us? And they're just built for SMBs or they're built for, for, for individuals, right? Uh, and actually bringing all of that technology together into one place, right? We see it for, you know, I think when I look at business like Shopify, which is you know, one of the largest financial service companies in the world, they focus on the e-commerce business, right? You know, today you can go and build a beautiful e-commerce business, pay you know, $30 a month and you have access to, you know, payments, invoicing, uh, fulfillment, all of this stuff, you know, obviously the, the business of, a, of an independent landlord is very different, but it's, 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 it's as complex or even more complex. You have all of these pieces that the traditional landlord has to stitch together. We want to stitch all that together in a very, you know, beautiful experience um, and bring a lot of automation to it so that, you know, investors can stop being as much landlords and really focus on being investors. Yeah, uh, this is a ton packed in there. I appreciate all of that. Let's kind of start with the banking piece because, yep. uh, I mean, I'll just hit you with the devil's advocate. I, why why does an independent, mm -hmm. why, why can't you just use a regular checking account? Why can't I just go to the bank and use what is there now? What is it that's so different that, you know, is designed or not designed with the real estate investor in mind? Yeah, there, there's, there's, there's many pieces to it. So one... Uh, most real estate investors are opening up, you know, multiple bank accounts. Imagine you go and you, you purchase, uh, you know, a triplex, uh, you may want to organize your finances to have a bank account by unit. You may even want to have a bank account for savings and maybe a bank account for security deposit. So all of a sudden you've had to go through the, the account opening for almost five bank accounts. Uh, most bank accounts at the same time are going to charge you some sort of fee for kind of maintaining that bank account. If you don't meet that balance, uh, you know, I know that most landlords want to become pretty lean when they manage it. We've gone and built a platform where, you know, you go and open a bank account for an entity that you may have, you know, that triple X under. And with a click of a button, you can go and open as many sub accounts as you want. So you can really structure your banking in the way that you have structured your ownership of your properties. Right. And so if someone has, you know, I have a customer that has 13 properties, 13 LLCs, they've gone and opened 13 bank accounts with us. And for each of those bank accounts, with a click of a button, they've gone and opened an individual account for each of the units, one for a savings account and then one for a secure deposit. And all of that's free, right? No minimum balances. 
And so really start wow. to kind of make all of that work in the way that, that you work. And at the same time, all of that is automatically connected into the bookkeeping platform. So every time you get a transaction into, you know, bank account uh, A and then unit one, it's automatically tagged to that specific unit so that you can go and see, you know, specific income statements or cash flow charts for you know, your portfolio. And then you can double click and say, I want to just look at it for a unit. So we automate a lot of that bookkeeping. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of thing like if, if you have units where in markets, maybe the rent is only a thousand bucks a month. And so that's what you put the security deposit at. You're, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have a tough time meeting some of the minimum requirements, like you're saying, like that minimum balance threshold. Uh, and certainly if you're operating cash lean, which is a pretty, you know, it's pretty common uh, amongst some residential real estate investors, then yeah, again, you're going to have some of those those challenges there. Um, do, do banks limit how many accounts you can have? I know I always get funny looks from, mm-hmm. from like from my bank. Just, they're, they're like, why do you have account. so many accounts? And I'm like, am yeah. I the only person that does this? I feel like I can't be. So some bank accounts, once you hit a certain limit, they make you go into the branch and actually show documentation in like in the physical branch to then continue opening additional bank accounts. So there, there's a lot of challenges there, right? And so, but I, but I will say like, to use our platform, you don't have to open a bank account. You can connect, you know, one of a thousand, uh, 11,000 bank accounts that are connected into Plaid directly onto our platform as well. And so if you want to have a starting point of, you know, connecting in an existing bank account to use all of our other kind of powerful financial tools, you can do that as well. But obviously you'll, you'll quickly see that the, the integration of our banking product into our other financial tools uh, drives a lot of value, right? You know, we know that Plaid is something that many times the connection you know, breaks and you have to get re-log in. And so re- really tying that to a native experience is, is, is great. Got it. And then, so, and, and now you guys, um, when deciding to create this platform to enable for banking, did, did you consider going the route to becoming a, uh, an actual uh, bank? Or is this like, uh, you use the term neobank, which, you know, admittedly, I'm not up to snuff on all the financials uh, on how that stuff works. So maybe you can share a little bit more about how that's set up, how that works, and why you went that route. Yeah, so I've been mean, getting a, a banking chart in the United States is, is incredibly difficult. I think very few fintechs, and I mean, maybe it's like one or two, have been successful at getting a charter. Um, the route that most uh, fintechs go is they, they partner with, with a bank. And usually they're, they're partnering with, you know, many times it's, you know, smaller banks that have focused uh, a lot of their effort to actually partner with, with other fintechs to either, you know, gain, you know, large amount of deposits or, or gain transaction spend. We have partnered with a bank in, in Virginia that's um, called Blue Ridge Bank. And, and we've partnered with them through kind of a banking as a service provider. You know, there's a few kind of leading banking as a service providers that basically are, are the tech layer between, you know, the bank and, and their systems and our platform. And it really enables us to, you know, go and build directly onto kind of the, the, the bank's rails and, and build fantastic product. And so, you know, we're using uh, a banking service provider that, that has enabled us to kind of build a bank, uh, you know, for all of our customers. Yeah. Let, let's jump a little bit into bookkeeping here. So, yep. okay, uh, I collect rent, mm-hmm. uh, security deposit once, and then I collect rent every month. What's there to bookkeep? And why does this really matter or need a solution? Like, can I just say, like... It's 50 bucks a month for I pay the guy to mow my lawn and, and, and those are my expenses. There we go. Isn't that enough? Yep. So, I mean, you're going to have a series of, you know, income rents. Uh, you're going to have, you know, security deposit, which you're holding for, for the customer. And, you know, and then you're going to have a series of expenses as well. Right. You're going to have, you know, in most cases, 
a mortgage payment, uh, you're going to have a tax payment, you're going to have all sorts of you know, maintenance expenses. What we see is that a lot of uh, investors are kind of throughout the year organizing a lot of those expenses in an Excel document or holding physical receipts or actually using their bank statements as a ledger to see you know, what transactions have come in and out. Uh, but it doesn't give them a very good view of how their property is performing. And at end of year, they actually have to spend a lot of time or a lot of money on an accountant to actually organize that and then bring it into kind of the tax forms. So we can automate a lot of that for you. You can actually see on our platform very soon a live view of the scheduling tax form for each of your properties or for our portfolio as it progresses through the month. So you'll always have a very clear view of how you're performing, right? And so for us, it's very, very important that you always have you know, a baseline of where you stand um, so you can actually you know, manage your spend responsibly, see where you can kind of optimize on things. Yeah, I imagine in a world where you know, chasing yield is becoming a, a part-time job in and of itself, uh, you know, uh, I mean, the market's been on fire for, uh, mm-hmm. as far as, as far as I can remember, I have a pretty short-term memory these days. So you know, it just feels like it's just never going uh, to, to stop. And then suddenly interest rates uh, just took a turn for the, man, you talk about like up and to the right. Um, not exactly the chart we were all looking for, but maybe necessary correction. And so then you're able to give that a little bit more real-time feedback, especially for those who are running a full-time business. You know, they've got 10, 15, 20 units. Maybe they self-manage them all. You know, finding a few hundred bucks uh, on a monthly basis or even every few months could be a, a big difference to themselves and even their investors. Now, with the bookkeeping, though, and what you're collecting, are you guys serving up insights on what the customer should do with that? Is there like an educational component here so that, you know, these inv- individual investors know, hey, how do I make this this investment better? Or how do I get more return on my cash here uh, versus just kind of sitting and doing the waiting game? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we are launching kind of by the end of June a series of really interesting updates really around kind of what you're speaking about now so that you can actually go and look at kind of how different expense categories are trending. If there's an anomaly where imagine utilities you know, go up by X percentage for a certain month, you'll get a notification on that. You can go and look at different properties and actually start to benchmark them and say, okay, I have four or five properties. Let me actually look at how each of those properties are performing across different expense categories uh, and actually start to see kind of how they compare. And then from there, the next step is actually then starting to compare you um, against other like landlords seeing kind of how your expense ratios for like properties compared to those of, of other landlords. And so really being able to kind of pinpoint and say, you know, how, how am I performing as a landlord, right? You many times don't have a lot of information. Uh, you're just looking at your specific portfolio, but you know, what do other, you know, single family homes in, you know, in Northern Arizona look like uh, from an expense ratio across different utilities or, or, or different categories of spend? I, I just had this idea in my head. I was thinking like, what if I could make it like Strava, you know, where like I'm competitive. So I just want to compete with all my friends. Like, did you collect your rent on time? Because I did, you know, like, you just, but you just, you know, instead of posting up your, you know, you went for a 10 mile run this weekend, you know, you, you collected rent. Yeah. Just... I mean, look, I, think, I don't think, I don't think the goal is to make it competitive, but you know, one of the, one of the most used financial tools in the United States is, is credit karma, right? I think like one third of Americans have a credit karma account. And, wow. Really? You know, yeah, they're, they're basically just looking at, you know, their credit score. That's the main reason why people use Credit Karma. And obviously, then you have a marketplace of financial services. But 
you know, it's it's interesting. You know, how can we build a, you know, not, not a credit score, but how can we build uh, a scorecard so that you know, you know where there are areas for you to optimize in, right? And so I think that that's an important piece. Now, you guys then also at the end of the year help. You mentioned I think taking care of taxes, uh, but specifically yep. like you're helping with like the Schedule E and like you're tagging some of those expenses. Um, I think even still, like one of the big changes that happened last year was like all platforms now have to do like 1099 on rent collected or something like that. I mean, just mm-hmm. so the, the emphasis on taxes obviously has gone up. What's been the response from customers in some of those features and how they're seeing it's, you know, really impacting them? Yeah, it's a, it's a very high, high demanded feature. So the, the, the initial analytics and reporting we've launched is around kind of you know, cash flow statements and income statements. The next piece we're launching is kind of our tax package so that, you know, as you kind of, you know, categorize and a lot of things are auto-categorized for you, uh, as you kind of progress through through the month, you'll actually be automatically already preparing those taxes in real time. And so you'll be able just to press a button, you'll be able to download kind of a tax package, which will include Schedule E, will include a ledger of all your transactions for that specific property, and then kind of any, any receipt that you may have uploaded as well uh, to a transaction. So then you have really one package that you can do all your taxes with, whether you're doing it yourself or you're going to be sending it to an accountant. The future will also kind of automate uh, specific integrations into kind of tax software as well. Uh, but yeah, we're just beginning that journey. Yeah. One of the, one of my favorite questions uh, when I was leading marketing at Avail was, Nate, how are you finding these mom and pops? They're, they're almost like this. You know they're out there in plain sight. Uh, but you can't easily find them. So you have to almost create magnets. And I don't, I'm not going to ask you to say exactly how you're finding them. So don't give away any true secrets here. But how are you finding these customers? Because that's a tough audience to go after. Yeah, it, it, you know you know about it, you know, uh, having worked in this space for, for, for a long time. But uh, there's a series of ways. I mean, one is is, you know, through, through digital marketing, right, across kind of all, all the different channels that uh, you can think of, right? There are, there are landlords looking at these spaces and kind of with today's uh, digital marketing tools, you can actually kind of focus in on them quite well. Uh, you know, obviously from Google to Facebook, you, know, you can think of all those different channels. Then there's a whole push on kind of just building out kind of content and community, right? There's it's a, it's a quite close-knit community and how can we build content that, you know, is helpful to, to to this audience and then from there really educate them around our product as well um and there's a bunch of other stuff we're doing um, i think there's it, it's it's a large audience and it's and it's interesting right there's there's folks that are you know closely knit with other folk, other landlords so there's referral opportunities uh opportunities to kind of look at all the other professionals that are supporting this customer from you know legal support to you know re- real estate brokers to uh mortgage brokers and looking at kind of those networks and seeing how we can tap into those networks as well because um, it's a win-win for both of us. If someone's going to be, you know, uh, ha- having a landlord as a client and helping them look for properties and look for deals, why not also have your landlord, you know, be on on, on software that uh, can really help them automate a lot of their their finances, right? So we kind of look for those folks to partner with as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to pivot right into that partnership here because you guys have gone and said, you know, right off the, pretty much right off the jump, it looks like that partnerships is going to be a key strategy to how you add value to the platform in a faster way. Uh, And obviously part of that is attracting customers. So for instance, like you didn't build your own insurance brokerage, 
you know, you recognized, hey, let's mm-hmm. let's go out. I'm going to say and partner with the industry leading provider of insurance. If you guys have yep. heard of it, obrisk.com. I can do that. I can give out plugs. Um, <laughs> so you guys went and partnered with Obi, and there's other providers out there. So why did you decide partnerships was going to be the route for Baseline? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Look, we want to own the core, which is you know banking, you know, bookkeeping, you know auto, or, or reporting and analytics, you know rent collection as well. But then there's a series of things that you know uh, investor real estate needs, right? They need insurance, they need lending, many different types of lending. It's actually a, quite a long list of different types of credit that, that, that landlords use. Um, you know, need legal support. Uh, you know, from tenant screening, you need renters insurance. Uh, you know, you may need a, a notary. You, there's so many different things that, 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 that landlords need across kind of as they manage this business. A lot of this stuff's been built already, um, and they are businesses within themselves. So, you know, we've said let's go find the best products, products that uh, are, are helping landlords, you know, save money, uh, products that can easily integrate into our product and actually build one seamless experience. Right? If you're, you know, in in a base lane platform and you actually kind of want to get a, an insurance quote. You know, with with Obi's technology, it's literally within the platform. You're actually being able to close, uh, you know, within you know, two minutes. You're able to have you know the PDF of, of your new uh, you know property insurance, and so things like that. I mean, you know, the, the amount of kind of lending as a service businesses that are kind of you know in the process of kind of launching or, or coming to kind of you know growth scale is amazing, right? So I think we're we're in a really interesting time to be building. You know the connective tissue of this of this platform that brings in the landlords, but then allows them to kind of go off and actually use you know a whole ecosystem of, of partnership products as well. Yeah, and when I think about the category, this category, this customer, and the category of like you know the DIY managing their property, it's also very competitive, right? I mean, if you know we look at prop yep. tech, this is this is something that I think of all the solutions out there, and this is totally unscientific. And this is like purely like anecdotal, my take, and it's totally a biased perspective. But I feel like it's an area that has had the most attempts at trying to either disrupt or build something new, right? You know, with the idea of like better mousetrap of like better streamlined tenant screenings, right? You know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about tenant screening in the pre-show here, which is one of the reasons I appreciate what you guys are doing because you're coming from a totally different angle of the banking, financial services and accountings. And then partnering those other layers on top to really build out that suite. The challenge is, though, is pricing because there's so many mm-hmm. free options out there. So I guess the, the short of it is, how does Baselane make money? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'd love to also talk about kind of pricing because it's, it's an interesting thing that there's a lot of free solutions out there. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't charge. And so... You know, we, we, we make money a few ways, right? On, on, on banking, you make money on the deposits that you have, right? You know, the partnership with the bank, we, we take in a lot of you know, net interest margin. Uh, also, you know, when someone spends on our debit card or on our virtual cards, uh, we get interchange. Um, right now, our, our core product is free. Um, but I think sometime in, in, in the short future, we actually will be launching kind of a, an initial kind of premium SaaS tier. So you'll be able to kind of get the core functionality basically for free. But then if you want to access... You know, a series of you know more professional functionalities. You'll be paying kind of a small SaaS tier for it. And then the other element is partnerships, right? You know, we're looking to build partnerships where you know there are usually a lot of meaningful economics to be shared uh, across you know some of these partnerships. And so, across those three pieces, you know, we build you know quite quite meaningful economics uh, across this customer. 
And I think what's interesting, if you look at kind of just across banking, uh, I would say that the average landlord today that has kind of a few bank accounts, uh, we did the study across kind of 10 landlords and, you know, the average was spending around $500 a year on just like fees that they had no idea about, whether it was, you know, a wire fee, uh, just the maintenance fee that they have on their checking account on a monthly basis. Uh, sometimes it's an incoming fee for some transaction coming in, um, you know, a new checkbook, all sorts of stuff. The average is around $500. Right. The fact is, most people wow. just don't, don't realize it. And so there's a lot of opportunity to say, like, I'm going to cut away on a lot of these fees. I'm going to keep it super simple for you. And it's going to be whether it's $10 a month or $15 a month. But I'm going to add you so much more value because it's going to include you know, all sorts of bookkeeping. It's going to include you know, all sorts of analytics and reporting, uh, rent collection and so forth. Uh, and, and make it really simple. Right. I think you know, anyone anyone is willing to pay for $10 a month. Right. We see you know, what half United States is Netflix and they pay more than that. Uh, like if you're getting great value from software, of course, you're going to pay for it because, you know, it's, it's making your life much easier. And so for us, we really focus on the experience of our product, right? No one's going to pay for a poor experience, right? Make a beautiful experience that really does drive value. And, and then we'll, we'll charge a small fee for it. I had, oh, this is so weird that this is like ringing a bell in my head right at the moment mm -hmm. when you said Netflix, because not, recently I was at the grocery store and I saw a couple picking out a movie from a red box. And I had to honestly stop and think, I was like, people use red box and that costs money. <laughs> I was like, but you know what it highlighted to me was, you know what? There was an itch. This was the solution to that. And it offered something very quickly, easy, mm -hmm. simple. There's just, just zero learning involved in it and because of that you could charge for it and so i love what you're talking about this value because that's really what Redbox offers it's convenient look i know i'm going back to the grocery store in a few days i'll just take the movie back with me right and then i get another one if that's your jam like that's your jam right so then it, it really works out for you and so but what you talked about was adding all this value it gives you a lot of permission to ask and, ex and extract value um, when you want to or where you need to. Uh, but you guys have really gone over the top and saying like, you know, the platform itself is free and found other ways and like more like the operational or how money is moved and kept, um, which I'm mm -hmm. guessing some of that, in, that you know, your finance background is really playing into this and understanding how, you know, using money to, to make money, if that's the right way to phrase it. I don't know how bankers put it. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know what's interesting? Like we, you know, there's a lot of uh, neo banks that have been built for kind of the small and medium-sized business community or kind of the, um, you know, the I guess freelancer community and so forth. And most of those are free. And there's one of them that charges. And that one, one product that charges has extremely, extremely high activity from its user base. And because they charge, they're able then to have a little bit more sustainable revenue and they're able to deliver that back in fantastic product. And, you know, that's the vision that we have, right? You can build a free product, but then if you charge a little bit, it's this flywheel that comes back to the customer because you're using that revenue to, you know, build an engineering team to bring, build even better product, right? And so that's, that's kind of the, 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 the approach that we're going for. Love it. Um, I'd love to talk about, uh, or if you could share 
you know, it sounds like, I mean, baseline, you guys have had some momentum you've been building. I know you've been actively yep. hiring and building the team, uh, gaining adoption here. What is something that you had an idea for or thought about your customer? It turns out you were wrong and or it was a failed idea. Love it if you could share one of those. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. You know, I think when we when we started this product, you know, we had you know a very grand idea that we want to have all of these things, right? And you know, when 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 you start to build a product, you know, you start to see the complexity across each of these products, and you have to start slimming your focus and kind of cutting you know certain pieces out. And so, um, I think that the, the biggest thing that I was wrong about was, you know, we, you can't solve everything, right? Let's go and solve you know, one or two things first, really nail those down. And then from there, start to build on that. And so I think there's, there's a few ideas that, you know, we, we tried to do maybe in a premature way um, that I think we're going to get back to at some point. Um, we just haven't had kind of the, the resources to go really deep into to so many pieces. I, I don't want to go too deep on, on the things as I think, you know, we're still going to try to build those things, uh, but actually just build them, build them really right. Yeah. When I hear a lot of different numbers, but usually they're within a few million, I guess that's pretty precise, depending yep. on what you're measuring, of the number of individual investors. So about 11 million-ish, 10, maybe to 12, it fluctuates some. But when you yep. think about the market opportunity for a product or platform such as Baselane, how do you describe what that market opportunity and quantify what that is? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So it's, you know, as you mentioned, let's say, you know, 10 to 12 million landlords, they own kind of one in five residential homes or, or doors in the United States. Um, and then I look at all the revenue pools that exist around this, this audience, right? I look at, you know, the, this, this customer is using a series of products today to manage, uh, you know, their finances, to do a series of things. And if I look at banking, and payments. I look at, you know, all the spend on, you know, bookkeeping, tax prep, uh, you know, all the spending that's been also to kind of on brokerage for lending insurance. Just across that, landlords are spending roughly $25 billion a year, right? That's, that's revenue, right? They're spending $25 billion a year across just those products, right? So, and, and that's just like the core of what we're focusing on now. Uh, then there's all these other spaces. That's not even getting into the maintenance. That's like, not even getting the into maintenance. Of things, this rehabs, is not even the spend. This is none of like, that stuff. This is like how much landlords spend on you know banking and and and, and payments. This is how much they spend on you just you know the when they go and buy a home or they get insurance. That's the amount that's like the brokerage, right? That's the fees that you're paying for those things. And we're and then, again, we're only talking about the individual investors. This is not only individual offices, investors. PE, exactly. none of that. Only individual investors, and then all the all the spend that they spend on accountants, bookkeeping tools, uh, well, tax prep, twenty five billion dollars, right? That's not including wow. you know anything around tenant screening, uh, all of the, on legal fees, none of that stuff. This is just like the core financial stuff, and so it's a massive, massive market uh, because it's a, it's a, you know it's managing six trillion dollars worth of assets, right? If you think of it, it's not you know it's an expense ratio of that. It's not it's not crazy, right? Do you think that this eventually becomes a winner take all, or do you think this will constantly be to some degree a fragmented market with a few uh, champions and, you know, different select parts of this industry? Yeah, I, I look at financial services in general, and usually there isn't 
a winner take all in the financial service world. Um, but then I do look at kind of financial services that have a much more marketplace and network approach. And in that example that I use is Shopify, right? Like if, you, if you're selling online, you're either selling online through Amazon or you're selling online through Shopify, right? Like it's, it's these two, two worlds, right? Uh, then there's, you know, folks like Stripe that really took a huge leadership in terms of, you know, digitalizing payments. Now there's a series of players that are coming and starting to really start cutting away at, at a lot of that and kind of providing kind of better solutions. But I think in the banking world, there's always going to be a lot of solutions. Um, I think there will be kind of, you know, one, maybe like two or three leaders in this space, right? I look at the kind of expense yeah. management tools for kind of the, the you know, startup and corporate management tools like, you know, Brex, Ramp, Divi, um, you know, uh, it's a few others, right? I think there'll, there'll always be kind of you know, two or three that kind of really become kind of the owners of the space. Um, yeah. I think it will be really interesting is kind of all the different uh, infrastructure that they're building off of. How, how you, you know, what are the different tools that they're each going to choose to kind of build and, and make their product uh, even stronger with what's out, out in the world today? Matthias, we're going to move into uh, my favorite segments of the show. Uh, this one is called For the Future. For the Future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes and show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Are you ready to play? Okay. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Question number one, what does baseline look like one year from now? Ooh. So one year from now, um, I really hope that Baselane's kind of core product has really solidified, that our core product is you know, very, very seamless, and that we're starting to really think about what I call the sexy new products that surround our core, right? Like, there's a, like once, you, once you own the bank account, you own that kind of financial integration, there's really cool functionality that they can do. For example, like when you send back a security deposit, you're going to be pressing a button. And the security policy, someone's going to get an email, they're going to enter the bank account information, and that security policy is going to be returned seamlessly. Really cool things that you can do once you own that financial infrastructure that just make, make, make this just, you know, it gives you that aha moment of, wow, this has been built really well and, and kind of thinking about me. So there's a, there's a long list of really cool functionalities that we want to build, you know, and that's going to start getting built kind of in the next couple of months. Very cool. Question number two, this is the one you need the crystal ball for. Will the number of individual investors increase or decrease over the next several years? Why? I think they will increase. And I think it has to do with some of the trends that I saw uh, kind of, you know, 2020, 2021. Uh, you know, we did, we did some kind of research. And one of the really interesting things we found is that actually 2021 was one of the first years that uh, a younger demographic or, or millennials specifically made up over 50% of new landlords. And so there's this whole movement around, you know, building kind of, you know, financial independence, uh, you know, building passive income. And I really believe that real estate is really one of those true asset classes to build, you know, generational wealth. You know, the stability of the asset class um, is one of the things that makes it a, a, a fantastic asset class. But of course, access has always been limited, right? Owning real estate is not like going and buying stock. Right or cryptocurrency, it takes a little bit more effort. A little bit. And so I don't know. I Actually, I tried of... buying some crypto. That's not true. I tried buying an NFT <laughs> and I couldn't do it. It was like create okay. this, like I don't know, thing of what's my bobber dot ly account, and then I had to like get this address, and then I had to like put into this deposit. It's I got I got so lost, and I again I. You gave up. I on might it. be okay. an idiot. Well, look, I mean, I think like. <laughs> 
I think you know through Baselane, through through Obi, through through many other platforms. I think like the, the I think we're really going to reduce the barriers to entry to invest in real estate. Mm. And I think there's been a lot of barriers to enter real estate, but through technology we can really make it much easier to invest in real estate. So yeah, there's this whole movement around kind of institutional you know uh, owner buying up you know single family homes and, and, and stuff. But I really think that you know there's always going to be a massive amount of of real estate that that is owned by the individual and especially kind of across a lot of a lot of pockets and cities that are, are small where you don't have kind of the, the, the institution going uh you know there's 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 so much housing that's needed across the united states and that only kind of the, the individual investor can kind of get to and, and actually you know own and develop all right question number three what's one industry trend you think will continue but you wish would go away hmm I think one of the industry trends that's really going to change the next kind of two, three years is just the simplification of payments. Like everyone's heard of ACH. ACH is like the most antiquated way of moving money. And how old is ACH? Oh, I, I, like, I, I, that I think it's like four or five dec- I mean, decades I old. It. But I'm going to Google it while you keep But going. you know what's really interesting? Why our the U.S. payment system is so antiquated is because there's actually quite low levels of fraud in the United States. There's low levels of uh of inflation in the United States. Like if you go to a country like Brazil, where inflation is like 28 something percent, or in the past it's been 200%, you need to move money fast, right? Because no one wants to be the counterparty risk of owning cash for three days, and all of a sudden that devaluating two or 3%, right? So systems right. have to evolve in different ways. The United States is just a, a, a low fraud, you know, low inflation market. So you've been able to sustain itself on this antiquated rails. But that's going to change, and it's going to really move the needle in terms of you know how you collect rent, the way you pay people. Uh, it's going to be you know, a much much better system. So I think like in the next kind of five years, we'll see massive auto- adaptation across kind of banking and, and all, in general uh, for a new way to pay. According to Wikipedia, the first Sorry, the second half of the question was oh. things things that you I hope disappear. Oh yeah yeah well I mean it could be could be um, yeah things that you'd wish would go away. The the disappear or the change will be the the, the next question. You're you're, you're jump jump yeah, I think, the, I jump think the gun thing, here i think they, they disappear it's like i think in, in the world today especially in the world of finance um there's still a lot of fraud there's still a lot of folks you know bad actors going in there and i think uh it's amazing all the new kind of anti-fraud technology that's out there and all the different ways of kind of assessing uh you know who is a bad actor but um you know i hope that you know a lot of a lot of this technology just becomes very very robust and it becomes very difficult for fraudsters to kind of come in and and you know create chaos yeah uh so according to wikipedia here uh which i could have entered this in as a as an entry i have no idea but uh the first automated clearing house in the united states in 1972 operated by the federal reserve bank of san francisco so there we have it 1972 technology powering us into 2022 how many years is that 50 years 50 years I yeah, mean, years. a five-year Crazy. technology with today anymore is considered old. And, and I mean, Internet Explorer, yeah. we couldn't even cut the mustard anymore. So here we are using payments technology yeah. that was, you know, a thought of and started working on out of ideas in the 60s, implemented in the early 70s. Yeah. And it's still the primary method for how we move money online. Uh, it's pretty... Yeah. Pretty astounding to think that that's the best we could do, but hey, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the expert there. Let's move on to the fourth one here, though, for for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away as a result of tech advances in real estate? That is a great question. What will fade away? 
I mean, I think, you know, what I do think I hope fades away is, I mean, the Excel sheet, right? The Excel sheet is a, is a manual input and output form, right? That you need to customize for, you know, all sorts of use cases. And, you know, I think like there will be the investment banker or the consultant having to use Excel for things, but hopefully like technology evolves to such a degree that there actually is, you know, great technology built for so many different use cases, right? And, and on the financial side that you can actually go and leverage these platforms to, to automate a lot of things. And so I think that's, that's something that I think, you know, hopefully goes away. Like I, we used to manage when we just started our startup, we used to manage our cap table on an Excel document. Now we manage it on Carta, right? Like we just literally grabbed that Excel document and threw it away. And what, what is it you're managing on Carta? Our, our cap table. So just kind of the share. No, the Carta is the service. Yeah, Carta is a service. It's basically, it's called cap table oh, okay. management tools. There's a few of them. I mean, Carta is a, oh, okay. a, a unicorn. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Um, but yeah, there's just like... Let me just explain to everyone how absent-minded I am not knowing who these... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know... Oh, Carta, Bill, unicorn, never heard of it. But uh... <laughs> fair enough. I work in startups. I was going to say, have you tried Airtable? I have I have yep. only recently truly fallen in love with Airtable. Uh, they don't pay me for this, but they could if they wanted to. But there is nothing I can't at this point think of building and starting an Airtable. And then after that is Notion, just those two yeah, things. Yeah, Notion's fantastic. We use Notion. Get get um, rid of your spreadsheets. Yeah, we don't we don't use Airtable. We use Notion instead. But yeah, I mean, Air, Airtable just allows you to... I mean, I think I used Airtable when I signed up for this podcast, right? I'm, I'm filling it in through a form and it's absolutely for you. And yeah. uh, it's, it makes everything automated. So, yeah. Yeah. Someone somewhere who runs Excel spreadsheets that are like super data heavy and have like hundreds of thousands of rows and complicated formulas is cursing me right now. Uh, and I totally understand that. And that's an application. But see, I don't ever need to see that. So let's yeah. go ahead <laughs> and simplify the mom and pop world where you know 10 properties does not need excel we can we can be we can be better than that uh we're going to move on to the last three here Matthias. these are questions that are more about you so our listeners get to know you better first one here is what are you reading oh that's a great question um one of the things that i'm reading now is actually a book that someone gave me uh, a long time ago uh but it's a peter Thiel book uh zero to one um you know just about kind of his journey through startup life and a lot of interesting learnings. Uh, my uncle gave me that book maybe, you know, five years ago and I was recently traveling a bit and just picked up the book and you know, it's, it's a pretty interesting book. Different times, but I think still a lot of really interesting learnings. Question number two, who are you learning from? Oh, I think the people that I learned the most from are our customers by far. Um, you know, I think we, we speak to customers, someone in my, someone at baseline is speaking to a customer, uh, right? I say we probably speak to five customers a day, minimum, um, you know, not, 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 not considering customer support, but just kind of, you know, understanding customers through surveys or through kind of specific, you know, interactions, you know, demos, onboarding calls, et cetera. So we learn a lot through them and we really kind of make sure a lot, everything we learn is kind of thrown into a slack, into a notion, kind of projected across the company. So everyone's kind of really deep into that. Uh, and then I think other people I learned from is just other founders. I think other other entrepreneurs, right? I think you know there's so many so many stories about kind of things that entrepreneurs have done right, things that entrepreneurs have done wrong. And you know, as you build a business in its early days, I think you're going to make mistakes. But how can you kind of hopefully reduce some mistakes down that that path? And so you know, I, I try to 
read or listen to podcasts about other founders and kind of what what you know stories they have pro tip and hack but also probably very time consuming is if you host a podcast you get all the smartest people to just tell you everything kind of works out really well <laughs> and here's number three of the last three what inspires you I think what inspires me the most is building something bigger than myself. And so, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts sometimes and founders talk about, you know, uh, they, they became a founder because they wanted to be their own boss and, or, you know, they wanted to, you know, someone to make, did money. no one tell them what it's like to have a board? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think everyone always has a boss, <laughs> even the funds that I, that, that, that have invested in us and our investors, you know, they have to go raise money. And so there's always, there's always someone above, uh, but I think what's really interesting about, you know, being an entrepreneur is just, you know, I mean, especially in my, my past jobs, you know, I was, I was always servicing something. I wasn't creating something. And I think when you work uh, for a startup or you're, you're an entrepreneur or any type of business, you're actually, you know, you're creating something and you're creating something that can reach hopefully millions of people. And so I think that's, that's the inspiring thing. Yeah. I, I directly relate to that. I've, you know, at some point or another, I'm sure I'll start something again. But I, I really feel strongly um, as a you know skilled entrepreneur in working with other founders, and that opportunity to create is in of itself is extremely motivating and exciting and fun to be part of. Um, and so I share in that, um, Matthias. This has been really great. Appreciate your time, and thank you for digging into this. I know it's we could have summed it up of. We just make it easy to collect rent and manage finances, but there's so much more behind the curtains here uh, and a lot of challenges mm -hmm. in this market uh, that you guys are taking head on. Before we close out, for anyone who wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Baselane, where do they go? How do they do that? Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm happy to actually just give you my email. So it's Matthias, it's M-A-T-H-I-N at Baselane.com, which is B-A-S-E. L A N E.com. Uh, if you want to open an account, you go to baselane.com um, and you can open a free account in, in seconds and, and start you know, checking out our platform. But yeah, feel free to reach out to me if you have questions, uh, if you want to you know, be a customer of ours and, and have questions about how you, you know, onboard you know, your 15 properties or if you have more, uh, we'll, we'll help you get started. Awesome. Well, I'll be, uh, I'll sure I'll be in touch because, uh, you know, Obi and Baseline, we've got a lot of work to do here together. Uh, so exciting to know that we'll continue working together. But I appreciate it here, and we'll catch you later. Fantastic. Nate, really, thank you very much, and uh, catch you soon. Well, thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter. Head over to technest.io or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right into your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.